Hello, welcome to the Living Box Free Podcast. I'm Becky Ford. And I'm Ashleen Seitz. And today we have a special guest with us, someone who I get to look up to as a leader at Elenco where I work, Mr. Doug Sullivan. We're going to introduce him here in just a moment. And today, Doug is here to talk to us about what it looks like to be a leader at the, in the corporation and maintain a good sense of well-being for ourselves, but also cultivate a, a community and a team where well-being is a priority. Doug's going to walk us through that as well as just sprinkle in his leadership principles he lives by as we go throughout. First, at the beginning of every Living Box Free podcast, we always answer the question, what's on the rise for you this week? Um, that is our company name, On the Rise. Uh, so Ash, I will let you go first. What's on the rise for me? I'm actually very excited. I've gotten to do some coaching recently and try that out. And it's been really cool. I'm really enjoying it. Trying to learn to use fewer words so that people are not overwhelmed by all the information I'm giving them and just distill it down to the important things. But yeah, it's been really fun. I'm excited about it. What about you, Becky? And just a little background there. Ash is doing CrossFit coaching for the first time, but she also is dabbling in getting her toes wet in uh, life coaching. So lots of coaching going on with Ash over here. Um, My what's on the rise is actually FFA students. I was with FFA students in Kansas last week. And then Monday we had, I don't know, 25, 30 FFA students from Indiana in the Elenco office practicing speeches and interviews. So I've just been all around the blue corduroy, which makes my heart happy. I love it. Um, That's what's been on the rise for me. And Doug, Doug Sullivan, welcome. Thank you, Becky. Nice to be here. (laughs) Great to have you. What has been on the rise for you this week? Oh, gosh. I spent the entire week in Iowa at the World Pork Expo. And so it was great to see people back connected live and in person. Um, It's our largest largest event in the U.S. and we had a lot of international people and so just the connection back with with folks of why I enjoy being in this industry. Very down to earth but yet very business focused so uh, really enjoyed being back and connecting. Um, Back on the road. Yeah I bet that face-to-face experience and relationship building just it's it's hard to replace so that's That's awesome you got that time. Well Welcome. Uh, For those who haven't met you, Doug, or don't know who you are, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are as a person and a little bit about what you do? Sure. I'd be glad to. Um, Live outside of Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, Grew up in Kentucky on a small farm. Um, Went to the University of Kentucky. Never dreamed of getting into agriculture, Um, but Got into agriculture in my second year of college and loved the people and decided I wanted to find a career in that. Um, Out of college, uh, started into the genetics industry and worked for the global leader in genetics on the pig side and did that for 10 years uh, before coming to Elanco. Most of that time was in North Carolina, some in Kentucky, some Oklahoma, Um, but I had the opportunity to manage the world's largest uh, pig producer, and that allowed me to travel um, and place animals in Eastern Europe and Poland, Romania. Um, and so that was a great experience. Then came to Lanco, did marketing, um, came to Indiana for five years, then went back to where I'm at now in North Carolina to work for another company, um, Novartis, and then Greensboro, and then Lanco purchased Novartis. Um, so that took me back to Lanco. And so my total Lanco Novartis time has been 17 years, 27 years total in the industry. 
I married my high school sweetheart. Um, she's been with me all along, Christy. And then uh, I have two boys, uh, 23 and 21, graduated from North Carolina State in finance and econ and is in the banking industry in Charlotte. The other is halfway through a mechanical engineering degree um, at NC State as well. Um, and he's in Raleigh um, the majority of the time. So we're about halfway between the two. Um, but that's that's a little bit about me. A few of us joke, Alenka wanted Doug back so bad. We bought the company he worked at so we could get him back. And yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's the way that I sell it. I don't know that that's true, but that's the way I sell it. Well, I'm really glad that you're within Alenko. And um, for our listeners, I, I've never worked for Doug, but I've heard about Doug. I have gotten to invite him to leadership classes that I help facilitate as a sponsor. And I just, every time Doug joins us, I always end up having a post-it with some quote that he said that really stands out to me. And that's one reason why I thought, man, we need to get Doug on our podcast here for other people to be exposed to. So thank you for joining. You're pretty kind, Becky. Uh, but uh, I love to help people get better. Uh, that's probably what I've enjoyed the most in life. Um, and so fitting into the mold of what you guys are doing, coaching, teaching is my love in life. Um, and I do that professionally uh, with sales reps, but I do that personally with mentees uh, through students at church, those sort of things. Um, but coaching and teaching is where my, where my heart and passion is. And so thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. And I know we're here to talk about wellness and especially being a high level corporate leader. What does that look like for you and your teams? Before we jump into that, I would love to just have you share in general, what is your leadership principle or style that you lead with when it comes to uh, the teams and people that you work with? I never dreamed that I would spend 27 years working with pigs. Um, so that that is one that surprises me and um, never would dream that it would take me around the world. But even in that process, um, I live by uh, one motto that um, people are always going to come before pigs or profits. And if we put people first, then the others will take care of themselves. And, um, you know, last night I was trading text with a very, very successful customer of ours and he was just sharing things back and forth and our relationship is built on people um, yeah he produces millions of pigs and makes a, a lot of profit um, but it's about our relationship first and so i i share that oftentimes because it keeps me grounded to try to put people first um, and then secondly you know my faith is a huge driver in life and i have had a life verse forever of john 10 10 that says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but uh, I've come that you'd have life and have to the fullest. And so I believe in that principle that you live life to the fullest because you're not guaranteed of another day. And so um, you make sure that you make the best out of what you have. I love that. And one of the things that we've talked about, we talk a lot about leadership and coaching, Doug. So you fit in really well here with our podcast. And at Alenco, we talk about knowing your unique like leadership style. And I just love that you have that so clearly defined. And for any young people listening, especially any FFA students, they're thinking, wow, pigs can take me all across the world. Mm -hmm. So I love that you also get to share a unique career in agriculture that a lot of people might not think like, 
like you, you didn't think you'd be in agriculture and look where you are and where it's taken you, which is pretty cool. And, and it's, it's neat. I sat down at lunch today with my 20 year old son and one of his friends was very clear on where they wanted to go as a goal in life. And he said, dad, I'm not, I'm not that clear. And I said, you don't need to be because I can, I can tell you that I never dreamed that this is where I would be. I never even knew this existed. So you don't have to know exactly what that looks like. The things that you need to know though, is what is something that utilizes your strengths? What is something that brings you real contentment on a regular basis? And if you can use your strengths and you're contented on a regular basis, it doesn't matter uh, what that actual job is. And then if you're in a sector that you can enjoy, I like the people in agriculture. And it just so happened that I got funneled down to this pig side and it, it fit pretty well. So there may be others, but that's that's one of the things that makes it really enjoyable is making sure contentment and a place where you can use your strengths. Well, for anyone looking for new careers, <clears throat> if you're interested in agriculture, whether that's swine or other species, Doug is someone you can reach out to and proof that you just, you don't have to have a plan because okay. you never know where you're going to end up. Uh, as as we, we've talked about a little bit about your leadership style in general, would love to start to hone in a little bit on the well-being side. One of the things our listeners care a lot about is they want to work hard, but they also want to feel healthy and happy and fulfilled. Doug, from your perspective, how would you describe well-being um, based on your experience? You know, I, I looked at the definition and it talked about contentment, um, comfort, um, because that's going to go up or down. So whether you have good well-being or poor well-being, it's going to base on that level of comfort, contentment, happiness. Um, you know, and so well-being by itself doesn't do anything. I just don't ever want to be at or below the at or below the midline. You know, I want to, okay, what is good well-being? What it and for me, I go back first in college at Farmhouse Fraternity. We had a plaque on the wall that said, We're building the whole man. And um, intellectually, spiritually, socially, morally, and physically. And so that resonated in my mind to say, okay, that is the whole person. It's not that I can go and I can focus on books all the time, or I can focus on making money all the time. It's balancing those pieces. And then I step back and look at when did I have that out of balance? Um, and I, I had that out of balance several times that I could point to, you know, as one of the guys mentioned this week, I was, I had gone out for a run and I came back and he said, man, you look like you're 27 years old. And I said, well, I'm 48 years old, but the 27 year old version of me was 30 pounds heavier and not in near as good a shape. And, you know, that well, I was way out of shape at that point. And I said, this isn't okay. What am I going to do different? Um, where I think from a well-being standpoint, you don't have to run marathons. You don't have to do CrossFit. You don't have to do other things but you need to be able on a regular basis to get up and say, I'm happy with who I am and what I'm doing. And if you're not, you can't just complain about it. Then you have to say, what are the things I'm going to do differently? Because if, if you're frustrated with that and you don't have any steps to get better, that's discontentment. Um, and so if you want to be content, you need to figure out, okay, where do I want to be? What are the steps I need to take to get there? Uh, first off, I'm shocked you're not 27. So <laughs> yeah, right. man, yeah, I totally was wrong there. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> second, yeah, great segue. Like what are the steps to get there? Would love to hear you talk a little bit about what obstacles have you faced or what what are those common obstacles people face? We all want to have a good state of well-being. 
what holds us back and what have you seen personally, but maybe even seen in working with other um, team members that you've coached? So I'll give a couple of different examples, but two things that I point to for the guys that I mentor, and I have different groups of guys that I do mentoring with, I point to two things that keep you from accomplishing whatever it is in life, whether it's financially, physical, whatever. First is laziness. The second is a, is a lack of willing willingness to take risk. So some people will say, well, I'm not lazy. And I say, okay, if it's intellectually and there's a book out there that would cause you to be sharper, but you're not willing to read a book, that's laziness. Um, or if there's a podcast that I could listen to, or if there's something that would cause me to be better, we can look at it from a physical standpoint and say, I'm not willing to get off the couch. That one's pretty easy. But on the others, we have to own it ourselves and say, I'm willing or I'm not willing to do that. From a risk standpoint, it's now, am I am I comfortable in doing something I may fail at? And if I fail, as Becky Ford taught young people, failing is, is something that you want to do because then you learn. And so in that process, you have to take risk um, because you usually learn a lot whenever you fail. And so as I mentor guys, I just challenge that process. Are you lazy or are you unwilling to take risk? And so that is one of the processes that I try to teach. And the others, you know, one that stands out to me, Becky, and I shared it before, Atomic Habits um, is a phenomenal book um, and it's making 1% improvements. I have used a motto for years progress over perfection. You know, if I go, if I'm able to do two more push-ups than what I did before, then I'm stronger. And so I, uh, my oldest son was going into his freshman year of high school, had no upper body strength. And I said, Hey, here's what, here's what we're going to set at, at the start of the day. I want you to try to do as many push-ups on your toes as you can. And whatever you can't get done, finish 20 on your knees. Well, when he started, he could do three on his toes. And I said, okay, we're going to do that in the morning. We're going to do that in the evening. But finish the 20 on your on your knees. Well, by the end of the summer, he was doing 20 in the morning, 20 in the evening on his toes. And I said, it's clear. You can see that that was progress. If we had complained about not being able to do 20 at the start on our toes, that would you know, we would have felt like a failure. And, and it's not that. It's being able to show I can make progress over time. I can get stronger. I can improve in the process. Doug, I, I think that you should have been with me doing this keynote last week at Kansas FFA because we talked about forgetting about perfection, trying, taking the risk. So I love all of that. And I, I'm sure if my husband Tristan listens to this, man, our, our little boy Sawyer, he's going to start doing push-ups on his knees. Like <laughs> at three years old, Tristan's going to be like, Doug Sullivan said he did this with his son. So uh, that's, I think that's just such a cool example. And doing that with your son, I think is very special to hear as well. Well, uh, I, think we, I think we have to balance things. This is one for me and all of us like to do physical fitness. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think we should use physical fitness as the best visible example, we can all see when we make improvement there. Um, And and I have shared with you before, when the boys were teenagers, I made them get up 10 minutes early every day. And we did five minutes of physical activity and we did five minutes of Bible study. And after a month, I set them down and I said, you will not be able to see that your spiritual muscle is any stronger, but you will be able to see that you can do more push-ups or you can do more curls, more squats, whatever it is just by using five minutes. And I said, so whatever it is you want to have success in life, be able to put a little bit of time and be able to remember this example from a physical standpoint. Yeah. 
And we didn't, I know you gave us the definition of well-being. We didn't even talk about like the categories. And I know, Doug, we've talked about this separately, but mm-hmm. you've you've already hit on a couple of them. Physical well-being, you've got spiritual well-being, mm-hmm. uh, and other, other areas we talk about, financial, mental well-being, uh, social or relationships, which you've given examples of that just through your family as you've shared those examples of the social side. Um, so there's multiple facets that make up our state of well-being. You've shared different uh, examples in some of those areas. And knowing, like you said, physical is the one I think most people think of first mm-hmm. because you can measure it easier mm-hmm. than others oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I So you've you've shared, I love this, like a lot of times what holds us back is we don't want to take the risk. We're afraid of failure. We are, we're trying to be perfect and perfect impossible. You just focus on progress. When you think about a time when you had a really good state of wellness or well-being, and maybe it's right now, Doug, what are the things that you've done that have made a difference? Yeah, I think of a couple of different times. One I'll go back to is probably 15 years ago um, where I implemented a process from four disciplines of execution into my personal life. Um, I, I have, I say always, but in our marriage of 27 years, I have set goals at the beginning of the year. You know, a lot of times I wasn't in good shape. So as I've tried to lead our family, I've set goals to say, what's a financial goal? What's a physical goal? What's an intellectual goal? What's a spiritual goal? And set those out and then challenge my wife and kids to do the same. Um, Whenever 15 years ago, I had two young sons and I just said, you know, my goal this year is to be the best husband and father that I can be. And that, that was my goal. And I said, now I want to figure out how to measure that. And I said, I allowed them, you know, I had one son that was in elementary school, one that was younger. And I said, what it would look like to you guys, if I was the best dad. And my oldest son said, well, you'd come eat lunch with me. Um, And I said, well, how often a month would the best dad in the world come eat lunch with you? Well, maybe two times a month. So I just built a spreadsheet and I built a spreadsheet for everything that I felt like mattered. Now, my wife really didn't want to go down the road. She's like, "Okay, Doug, it's a little too much. And I said, no, no. If I was the best husband, what would that look like? And we we agreed on, okay, 15 minutes of sitting down and talking every day with no kids around or going, you know, going, having a couple hours together X amount of time. But then being able to check off and say yes or no, that I did that. And. That's one where I can look at it and say that absolutely impacted my life and how I set things up and how I measured things and how I held myself accountable. And then I fast forward that to now. And yeah, physically, I'm probably stronger than I've been in a long time. I, I got into running too much and I set goals just on running and I didn't really take care of myself and tear up a couple knees in the process and, and get too skinny and all these other things. And I, that wasn't really good. But if I go back now and look at it, well, I keep a I keep a spreadsheet on my phone. I know how many push-ups and pull-ups I do on a daily basis, and I and I track that toward a goal, you know. And um, having those things that I can keep track of, but having to answer yes or no, I did that, and then I carry that over. And so, Becky, from a work standpoint, you know, I've I'm probably seven seven eight years. Um, all of my sales reps on a weekly basis, they get to decide what's most important for them to be successful that week. But the next week they have to answer to their entire team. Yes or no, they did that. 
And that accountability on something that they agreed was important is phenomenal. Um, and I think that that just those things balance wise have been really good for me. Set clear goals, have a way to measure it and then be able to say, is this the type of person that I want to be? All right. If it is, then be accountable. It's OK. And say, no, I didn't do it sometimes. I didn't get that done. But as one of our reps said the other day, it's going to be really bad if I tell my boss three weeks in a row I didn't do something that I said was important. So, Yeah. I, you, as I listen to you, I hear you talk about the people and the processes that help us achieve that. And I know I've heard some people say, oh, I've heard my husband say this. I don't want you to give me words of affirmation and then it's because it's a check it off your list thing. And I'm like, no. I, like you, Doug, like for accountability, I need to write goals down, like giving my husband more words of affirmation. It's a goal of mine mm -hmm. because I have a lot of execution energy and I can just go, 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 go. And I know he needs to know that I recognize and see him, but I also need accountability for myself, a process mm -hmm. to keep that top of mind. So, um, I, I like that you share that, but then also the people accountability too, for those things that you really care about and not what do I want to do, but who do I want to be? I also heard you say, which is super powerful. I heard this quote this week and I loved it. It was, I would much rather fail at being my future self than succeed at being my, my current or past self. Wow. And so, yeah, it's like, I would rather fail at trying to be that person I'm striving to be and I'm trying to do it than to just maintain maintain being who I've always been or been in the past mm -hmm. and be successful at that. And, and that's a lot of what I'm hearing come from you, that essence, which is super cool. And it's like, it's permission. Like, Hey, you're not going to always succeed at doing 20 pushups on your toes all the time, but someday, sure. someday. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I appreciate that. Well, and, and we go back, you know, to the great, great book, seven habits, uh, yeah. highly effective people and, you know, beginning with the end in mind. And so there's been a lot of times in my life where um, I, I had exposure at a young age uh, of losing a sister, you know, when she was young, losing a brother when I was a teenager. Um, and that has caused me to think about how short life is. Um, and then whenever our second child was born, they told us to go in and tell him goodbye. He wasn't going to make it. And um, whenever we did, and he did make it, it caused me to become very intentional with my kids on a regular basis to say, if I wasn't here, what would you remember? And what would you say was important about dad? Um, and there were some times where I got some things out of line. I mean, we joke about it now, but there was times that they said I cared more about how good the yard looked or they cared, or that I cared more about running a marathon or I cared more about these things. And that wasn't what was most important. But then I also look at the times where I got that right, um, where you know, I, I made a note here. There was a time where I was coaching my youngest son's basketball team, and their final game was on a Saturday, and we had a meeting out in Arizona. And um, I took a red eye from Arizona back here on Friday night so that I could be here and coach a ball game, and then I had to turn right around and catch the next flight back to Arizona for the rest of that meeting. And, you know, there's some people that are like, man, why would you do that? And I said, I feel more contented even though I'm exhausted because I didn't miss his ball game, you know, and a good dad wouldn't miss a ball game. You know, that was important from that standpoint, even though there's a lot of things that I might miss those things. If, if you say, if I wasn't here tomorrow, how do I want 
how do I want to be remembered? You know, that future self is what is mo- more important. So I think your, your quote is really good. It, it, I can't tell you who to attribute it to. I just heard it this <laughs> week and I wrote it down. Uh, so Doug, let's, let's transition a little bit into the pressures in a high pace corporate setting. How do you cultivate a community of well-being where like taking care of yourself, it's okay. It's like, it's important versus it's all about work output. Um, what does that look like as a corporate leader for you? Um, again, you have examples that remind you of that. Um, I have one, I had a sales rep that probably now six or seven years ago, um, was, was struggling. So I look at a lot of times bad examples or great examples are the ones you, you go toward. And he was really struggling. Uh, he was struggling to get details done. He was struggling to follow through on commitments. Uh, health-wise, he had gotten up to 315 pounds. Um, marriage-wise, he had stresses because of different things that were going on. And um, I went to a meeting with him, and he really didn't do a very good job, and he was sweating and everything else in the process. And as we drove home that night, I said, you know what? I said, I don't want you to do anything for Alanco the rest of this week. I said, but what I want you to do is decide if you're going to still be around in five years. And if you're going to be around in five years, what that's going to look like. Because if you continue down the path you're on, you won't be here. You won't be able to um, have a marriage and kids and those sort of things. And I said, I want you to decide. And so the next day he got up and he, because he had time, his boss had told him, I don't want you to focus on stuff. He went and walked around the block. And then the day after that, he walked around two blocks and he started the process of just progress, not perfection, because he had heard me say that several times. And over five years, he lost 60 pounds. Uh, when we were together this week, um, you know, he said, you know, there's things that I want to do. He said, but the person I am today is so much better. He's watched his kids graduate from college. Um, you know, he's healthier. He's balancing. He's doing the things that he should be doing more so on a regular basis. And so I think that going back to the model of putting people first, I cared more about him and his wife and his kids, um, who I knew by name, than I did about how much money Elanco was going to make at that time. And I've not had anybody through my career to say, no, Doug, you got it way out of whack. You got to focus on profits every day and you got to focus on making sure all these things happen. No, if I take care of the people and they know that they're cared for and that their well-being is good, they're going to perform at a higher level. And I... I've told my teams for years that I'm going to assume 100% that you're innocent until proven guilty, meaning that I assume the very best of you every day until you prove to me that you're not giving me your very best. And whenever I do that, that gives them the, the comfort, hey, I can do the things that I need to do. Now, the other side, they, they know um, that I, if they need to go for a jog in the middle of the day, if they need to take care of kids and, and pick up them early, I'm expecting that they're going to take care of their work. And so family is a bigger deal to me. Their health and well-being is a big deal to me. Um, and they can balance that and do their job well. So I, that's, that's how I've done it. And internally and in a corporate side, um, there's been lots of times where I've wanted to pursue the next title, the next promotion, those sort of things. Um, and I've come to a point... And, you know, maybe some of it's with age as well, but I have settled on a motto of contentment over complacency. I can be content in the job that I'm in. I can be content in where I'm at 
but I'm not going to be complacent over what I'm doing. So I'm always going to push myself to be better. And if the opportunity is open for me to take on more responsibility, great, fantastic. If they don't, I'm going to be content. Um, and that has helped me to not just be on this path that I've got to chase the next title because that title by itself is not going to make my well-being any better. Well, I just wrote something down, Doug, every time, <laughs> every time. Uh, I love that contentment over complacency and, and such a real example there of a caring leader saying, hey, you, what's more important is, is your well-being. Don't work this week. Think about what you need. Um, and obviously that relationship's still there and he's still working for you, which is really cool. For our listeners right now who might be listening, and I know we have some people who listen, who, who we've interacted with, who they don't like their job. They, they might be in a rough plot place and they might think, man, I don't even know where to start. Like my, I don't have a boss like Doug. What do I do? What coaching would you give them? Maybe they're not in the same culture of a team, like what you have, what can they do? What, what tips? And I've heard you say, you know, you've talked about four disciplines of execution, 40 X seven habits, some Franklin Covey books, there, atomic habits. Uh, but what, what else might advice or resources might you give them to help them out? I will tell you the one that I've done over and over again, and I would give this to everybody and that's the purpose driven life. And so my faith is a big part of me, but whenever you read the first sentence of that book, it says, it's not about you. So if I realize in life that it's not just about me, I can get to the point of finding something that's bigger than me. But then I can also start saying, all right, wait a second. It's not about my boss either. It's about what I'm doing with the life that I have. And so at that meeting I was at this week, I had a conversation with a guy that left the company in a time that was a real struggle in our business unit. And he even told me to leave the company um, because it was a really difficult time. And I was thankful that I didn't. But you're not always going to be in good spots with good managers. That's not always going to happen. What you can be is in a good spot with yourself and saying, OK, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why am I living the way that I'm living? And I'm not making the most out of that. And you can be in a bad spot um, from a professional side. But if you're doing the best with what you're given, eh, it can turn out OK. And so I, I would tell somebody, you know, if you're in that spot, you don't have the best boss, you, you can't see what's there. Control the things you can control. I, I wrote a bullseye, put it over the boys' bedroom um, hallway, you know, whenever they were teenagers and said, OK, here's the circle of control. Here's a circle of influence. Here's a circle of concern. Don't spend time out here in a circle of concern. You're going to sit and worry about stuff that does not matter. Take care of the things that you can control and the things that you can influence. Because most of the time we start spiraling down, we say, well, this is going on and this person's doing this. Well, are those just things that are out there I don't have any impact on? If they are, I am wasting mental effort, time and breath um, because I'm not going to do anything with that. And I'm, I'm taking on anxiety I don't need to take on. Um, so, I, you know, those are the those are the coaching things that I would give folks um, because I haven't always had great bosses and I've had bosses that have changed on a regular basis. And there's been times that have been extremely stressful, uh, whether I was going back to school to get my MBA or whether I was changing jobs and moving my family. Um, those were difficult times. But what was I doing during that time that was making the most of what was going on? And, and that's the challenge that I would give, whether it's young people starting out, don't know where they're at in their career. 
if it's people that are in bad spots in their career, what, what are you doing to control the things you can physically, intellectually, spiritually, morally, physically? And, you know, are you doing those things? If you are, you're going to be in a better spot regardless of what the career looks like. Yeah, we will. Um, we'll try to also put some of these book suggestions in our podcast notes, Purpose Driven Life, Atomic Habits. We've got a couple of Franklin Covey resources there. Ash is probably over here like, is this guy in learning and development? Like I, so it's just awesome to hear all the tools and your amazing boys who got to grow up with a dad like you giving them uh, these resources. They, they may not say that the same way. <laughs> so we, we, you know, we'll make sure they listen to this, but if they give you comments on your podcast, uh, it'll be interesting to hear uh, whether that's positive or negative. If, if it makes you feel any better, my husband the other day um, said, Becky, you need to manage people. And I go, what? Why? And he goes, he goes, because you're always coaching and facilitating me. I'm like, oh, I love you, honey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, so don't worry. My my husband gets gets that too. Yeah. I mean, I just caught myself the other day coaching you by accident. I usually try to at least ask first. But the other day I just jumped right in was like, oh. Have you thought about this? Mm. Ashleen, pull it together. <laughs> well, well, Ashley, I would say don't don't pause that too much because you want to surround yourself with people who make you better. And so I would tell anybody that is in that group or around me, they have the opportunity to challenge and make me better at any point in time. And that's part of the reason they're in that group is that I want their input. They can see things that I miss. And so uh I'll give you permission. You don't need to ask for Becky's. You're good. I give her permission. I told her, I was like, no, I needed that. And it goes back to, I trust you, right? You're one of my people. You can call me out. You can ask, challenge me, ask me these questions. Uh, any final comments for our listeners, Doug, before we close up this session with you? You know, I, I had this shared with me years ago um, on well-being that you don't you don't go down the road and compare yourself to the house that someone else is living in if you didn't do the things that it took for them to get into that house. And so if you know that you want to be, let's say you want to be in social work, don't expect that your pay is going to be so high that I'm going to live over here. But if you want to be in X field and it's going to provide a house that looks like this, don't compared to somebody else, they made different decisions. They also had different opportunities. And so I would say from a well-being standpoint, make sure that your focus is right on what you want to accomplish in life. You got, you got one life, live it the best that you can. You know what? I said that about my life first. It, it's a big deal to me. Um, I believe that from a faith standpoint, but I, I believe I have the opportunity to live a full life and I'm the one that's responsible for that. And for my wife and for my kids, it's very important. Um, and sometimes it would cause me to, to maybe get emotional because I, I should treat them better than anyone else. And I don't. There's a lot of examples where I have it. And so that causes me frustration to go back and say, I should have done better. Um, but in each of our lives, know what that goal looks like. Know what you really care about and then live that out. You know. If that is, if that's a person, live it out. If it's a career, don't get caught up on a title because nobody's going to ask you whenever they, they gather around at the end, what was your title? Nobody's going to ask that. 
the contentment that you had, the fulfillment that you have, the impact that you had on other people, those are going to give you a sense of well-being that's greater than anything else. And, and from a career standpoint, I could not have predicted any five years out in my career. You know, people say, oh, you need a five-year plan. You need to do this, this, and this. Well, I have things that I'd like to accomplish, but I can't look back over any of the five years and say, yep, that's exactly where I was going to be. Every forecast is wrong by some percentage. And so, okay, what are the things that really matter? And make that the, the guiding star of where I want to focus on. And then don't compare myself outside. You know, make sure that I'm, I'm happy and content with what that looks like. And then just go be the best I can at it. Okay, I feel like this podcast was for me specifically. So if no one else gets anything out of it, that's fine. I just got a nice little coaching session with Doug. So thanks for that. Wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I need to focus more on thinking about my well-being and my contentedness over the where I'm headed or how my team is functioning or those kinds of things. That is something I absolutely need to work on. So thank you so much for bringing that up. As always, we could always talk to you for another hour, but we're going to wrap up here. <laughs> so thank you, Doug, for being here today. I'm so glad you were able or willing to share your experiences and how you've built your life. That's really inspiring and helpful to hear. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you guys for having me. It's a, to think if what I have to share impacts one person in a positive way, to me, it's worth any amount of effort. So uh, appreciate the opportunity. And, and hopefully there's somebody out there that, that gets something out of it. And uh, we'll keep trying to live our, our life uh, for yeah. fulfillment. Awesome. Thank you, Doug. All right, Box Breakers, we will talk to you next time.